Hi everyone, welcome to Unplug with Annie. I'm continuing the series of Purpose and today I have Lee Chambers on the show. Lee is an environmental psychologist and he has a background in elite sports. He's now a well-being consultant and coach. He promotes awareness of sleep, nutrition, movement, mindset, and habits, and how they interconnect to deliver optimal health and energy and give us power to take action, as well as find purpose in our plans and be the author of our own lives. So we're going to talk a little bit about his journey, um, about the difficulties that he's had to endure um, uh, in terms of his health as well, uh, majorly, and what effect and impact that had on his life but also how it it enabled him to become so much more resilient and perseverant. And uh, I think it's definitely, definitely very inspirational. So I'm thoroughly looking forward to this conversation. Hey, Lee, welcome to Unplug with Annie. Hi, pleasure to be with you today, Annie. It's really great to be able to talk with you. I know you're also in the UK at the moment, which is nice because a lot of my guests are around the world. So it's nice to speak to someone closer to home. Um, but tell us a little bit about your journey um, growing up and, and why you decided to get into the, the, the space of well-being and you know, health and performance and what fascinated you about this industry. Yeah, so I'll try and uh, reduce a, a, a life's journey into a few minutes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I grew up, you know, young working class lad, both my parents worked hard, grew up in the north of England, and I was always curious and disruptive as a child, but I was always doing well at school. Uh, so I, I was a first generation uni student, first one in my whole family to go. Uh, so I didn't really know what to expect, but ultimately enjoyed the freedom at first then really struggled making the adolescence adult transition while I was there. Had some issues around my mental health and some challenges in terms of my performance and both how I was looking after myself and navigating the world. And that led to me, my parents taking me home. And then I built myself back up, went back and graduated. Uh, unfortunately, straight into the economic crash in 2007. So not the best time. Got a prestigious grad scheme. And then that was... Uh, that didn't last long. Six months later, I was redundant and I lost all my professional training. So for me, I was then in a position where looking out into uh, financial advisory, which I'd gone into, there was nothing out there. So I had to completely reconfigure my career path after six months, uh, deciding to set up a video game business and also working in local government. And then that took me on a real journey as suddenly the business took off and I had freedom and finance to start doing my own qualifications off I went to do professional qualifications in nutrition and sleep and strength conditioning. And that then led me into a job in elite sports while the business continued to grow, uh, where I got to see the cutting edge of performance science at its very experimental state. It's in when you're looking for those acute performance gains, the marginal differences between winning and losing. Uh, but then that actually led me to a point where I became unwell lost the ability to walk for illness. My immune system attacked the connective tissue in my joints. And I had to change my worldview and really start to see things differently because all of a sudden I couldn't rely on my physicality and my independence because I'd lost it. So for me, that really became a burning desire as I learned to walk again process, which took 11 months to get back on my feet properly and walking. So for me, that was a real time to reflect on what difference I wanted to make and what I, I could do purposefully 
to make a difference in the world, how I could bring my skills, my experience, my qualifications, my strengths together. And that led me to Farm Essentialize. So we now coach small business owners and entrepreneurs through a process of finding the purpose, getting more energy through help optimization, and then understanding how to navigate their own minds through psychology, bringing all that together in a plan so that they can grow as much as the business grows. Also running Essentialize, which has a workplace wellbeing side too, where we go into organizations, we do wellbeing workshops and strategy, actually measuring what's working, seeing what isn't, evolving it and designing it in tailored ways for different audiences within your organization. Because ultimately wellbeing is a very per- personal thing, but also you need a why, a purpose to really start to, you know, adopt different health behaviors and make a change. And that's what we really anchor into. So yeah, again, it's been quite a journey, but ultimately it's led me to be really passionate about helping people to improve their health outcomes and really to be happier in their lives and have the time and the energy to do the things that they love. Yeah, yeah, wow, that's that's amazing. You clearly, it's, it's all a bit of a roller coaster, isn't it? Um, well, I, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about um, the experience of, of losing your ability to walk and, and how how that kind of impacted you at that point of time. And if you felt like you lost your purpose, which I know you kind of touched upon, um, how did you find that why again? Like, was there, was this a specific point where you remember, you know, there was kind of like a switch in your mind and a change of narrative and that drove you forward again? Yeah. So, I mean, before I became unwell, I just turned 29 and I was running the video game business and it was making good money. I was working in elite sport and it was interesting, but it didn't really align with my values. I saw the money and the resources and the energy that was spent for small performance gains on a Saturday afternoon. And I started to feel like that could be much more valuable to thousands and thousands of ordinary people if that same time and effort was put into them to help them live more fulfilling lives. And you know, I, I lost the ability to walk. It was over the course of five days. So at this point, my son was 18 months old. My wife was six months pregnant. And all of a sudden, I lose my independence. I can't eat properly. I can't go to the toilet. I can't show myself. And I'm in shock initially and a lot of pain because my immune system has just attacked my joints and they've swollen up, locked in place, and I can't move effectively. Uh, so naturally it's very difficult to process that it happens so quickly Um, what really started to happen for me is after that shock wore off I had the negative emotions that I knew I needed to express because if you suppress them and hold them back they will come back in the future and cause you more challenges than trying to approach them at the time and find a way to express them healthily so I had a good old morn for a week about how unfair it might be and why did it have to happen now? And I've got a young family and I'm not 30 yet. And I wanted to do all sorts of ridiculous things this year before I had to be sensible. Um, but ultimately, after that frustration, that grief, that anger, I just let it subside. And then I really found a place to contemplation because you get a lot of time to reflect when you can't move. Mm. And... What I started to realise looking out over the hills from the hospital, over to the town that was born, that I walked over those hills a lot of times, but I'd never been grateful for walking until I lost it. And that was when the switch flicked in my head, like, well, Lee, you've 
you've got all these things. You've got all these opportunities. You weren't grateful for walking until you lost it. And you've not been grateful enough to the people who are now coming looking after you, doing the basic things that you can't do for yourself. You've not been grateful enough to them. Or how about let's look at the bigger picture and you've never been in famine, in conflict, in environmental disaster. You've had free health care, free education, opportunities to set up a business, freedom to work in a number of different industries. You can't just lie here and feel sorry for yourself. You've got to approach the challenge and start to take ownership of your own health outcomes. You can be proactive. Don't put limits and boundaries on yourself. Let's see if I can get back on my feet and get myself back to the place where I was. Maybe this suffering will make me grow even more. So with that mindset and the fact that when I got out of hospital and went into rehab, my daughter was born, I had my children. My children were a massive why. When my daughter was born, I was holding and realizing that it wouldn't be long before she would be walking. And I was determined by the time she was walking, I was going to be walking as well. And that is an incredible power of purpose, like a fire inside of me that ultimately through those painful mornings, those, the stiffness, the difficulties of having to do all my rehab, all my physio, my exercises, keeping mobile against the challenges Six months in, I had some problems with my spine and I just kept going. I knew that the, that purposefulness, that I want to show my children that I can overcome this because we'll do more for other people than we'll do for ourselves. And that really, you know, fueled me on all the way through to getting back on my feet and being able to show them that adversity doesn't discriminate. Like I, I wasn't supposed to become well so young, but it happens. It's how you react to it and then respond and then choose to take ownership over what you can control. Yeah, I think you said, um, I think that's a really important point about um, adversity not discriminating because we, we've obviously all experienced the pandemic and, you know, we know that no one was immune from it either, regardless of, you know, where, wherever you're from or whatever you're doing and we've all been affected and have, have, what's been the biggest lesson for you um, in 2020 uh, experiencing all of this and, and or, I mean, and or, um, you know, your, your clients that you get to see and who come in and obviously in the space of well-being and I feel like it's so in, intricately connected to like mental health as well. I feel like the, you know, the, the mind-body connection is, is so powerful and sometimes I just feel like it's the negative thoughts which can make us sick. Uh, you know, and we can have physical, um, there can be physical repercussions because of actually the way that we think. Yeah, so there's absolutely no doubt that ultimately, psychologically and physiologically, we're heavily connected, more so than we think, and more so than we truly understand at the moment. But if I'm to take the big thing for myself and for my clients, is that as human beings, we're amazingly resilient in challenge amazingly innovative and creative in crisis so what that actually means is we're not really good at prevention when it's comfortable so in the summer we're great we stood there in our t-shirts and our shorts and we're happy but when the crisis comes and winter hits we all have to get resourceful and go and get ourselves a hat scarf gloves and a coat and as human beings we're not actually that good at preventing and going by in that in the summer when everything feels warm we're a very reactive species which is handy when you know it wasn't that long ago that we were prey we'd get eaten if we went out at night in the dark 
But now we've designed, we've been, we've been creative enough to design a world where that isn't a problem anymore, except that exposes some of our slight flaws as human beings. However, what it does show is that when something comes along, like COVID, that can effectively, you know, it could wipe us out. <laughs> and yet humans have decided and realized that, well, that can work from home. And something that normally takes six months to implement stage by stage, staggering tech, you know, feedback. We've actually just done that in a week. And all of a sudden we've set schools up in our homes in a week. And people have gone through amazing shifts and been able to do that. They need to accept and actually celebrate the fact that they've managed to go through what is one of the most challenging years for our generation, for generations past, this year will be remembered for the challenges that we faced. Yet so many people have stepped into that challenge. They've not just shied away from it all, avoided it like it was a threat, but they've taken action and found a place for them to express themselves in these challenging times. And communities have come closer together. People have been looking out for those who are vulnerable. People have stepped up and made a significant difference in the most difficult times. And that's what you remember when you get older. It's what you remember and the legacy that you leave behind because no one makes a massive difference when times are good. But when times are challenging, your actions are amplified. And if anything, we'll actually remember this year for the fact that we can, you know, as human beings, be bashed around. But we can still bounce back and stand up again. And ultimately, that's massive because people are going through mental health challenges financial challenges and a lot of things that can impact our well-being but this is the time to talk to other people to share your concerns because it's a shared human experience everyone's going through this together and if that can bind us together in a more connected way as humans even through technology and utilizing what we can then it will be a great platform for us to build a more absorbent culture in the future mm, yeah for sure and i feel like we we often take for granted just the impact that we can have on each other like you know not necessarily i'm not talking about people who just have you know maybe the privilege of a, a huge platform or following or you know unnecessarily like you know, famous or in politics, but just every human being, you know, we have the capacity to influence and impact each other. And I just think that I see that as a form of leadership. We all have an opportunity to do that. So what do you think, um, you know, in your opinion, what do you feel make a great leader? Um, so in my opinion, and I, I do quite a bit of work around leadership, which seems quite abstract given that I run a workplace wellbeing consultancy, but the link between wellbeing and leadership is pivotal, really. Mm -hmm. So what makes a great leader? The ability to lead themselves first. So in the world, everyone is a leader. You might be a leader of an organization, a community, a family or even the leader of yourself. But the most important thing is that you are an example to all those people around you who also lead themselves. You can help them to lead themselves by leading yourself and knowing yourself so you can lead authentically. You can lead in your way because leadership is organic. There's not really a book you could read that would turn you into a leader. 
the beauty is that being a leader is actually being human. And some of the traits that for great leaders, charisma, but I'm not talking about the extroversive charisma of jumping around a stage because some of the most, you know, talented leaders in the world are actually very quiet. <laughs> charisma mm -hmm. in terms of presence, when they are with you, they are there. They listen, they hear you, they respond. When they're on stage, they're present. They are there in that moment, sending a message because ultimately people follow the messenger before they follow the message. So as a leader, they will follow what you do before what you say. And really the other things that really make a leader stand out is self-awareness. So they understand their responsibility and they actually look at things from a level of consciousness and understand the privilege of being in a position of leadership and yet to create and bind together teams of people, you need to be able to communicate authentically. You need to be able to be congruent. Your actions and your words need to align and people need to feel that you're credible because credibility is absolutely vital in leadership. Anyone could call themselves the leader of the world. In fact, we are, strangely enough, a bunch of little apes who think that we can lead the world. <laughs> Truth be told, no one leads the world. And yet, ultimately, your title doesn't really matter. But who you are and the example that you set is absolutely massive because that is what will set you apart. And if you know yourself and you can express that and you can help people to find the space, give them the time and give them the appreciation for them to grow as leaders as well. Mm. That is the traits of a great leader. Not that people follow you, but you support, encourage and empower them to lead themselves. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that. I think you just, um, really summed it up really nicely and I, I think authenticity is, is huge I, I truly believe in that that it's so important um, yeah just being true and congruent as well as you said so for sure um, another question I wanted to ask is often what happens is what we think our purpose is 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 very much linked to you know the job that we have and um, and that becomes, we become quite consumed with that, um, that often it, it, it's the case, right? You know, somebody asks like, what do you do? And we immediately say like, you know, I'm this, I'm that. And we, we don't really know who we are when we take that job title away and we're stripped away of that. Um, so in your opinion, what, how do we, how do we kind of navigate around that better and avoid, um, attaching our identities to to our accomplishments. Yeah, I mean, it's always a challenge as human beings because from a very early age, before we're able to really define who we are, suddenly society starts to tell us who we are. So we start, we carry that with us in a little backpack. It's our self-image. It's our identity that we start to build. And when we're born, we don't have any of that. But we do get covered in society's grime of the opinions of our families, the, the people in our peer group at school. And all of a sudden you're labeled as the sporty kid, the clever kid, the science kid, 
the the kid the kid who enjoys drawing pictures and it's like all of a sudden you're already being niched down and identified as, as something this is your strength and this is your weakness and this is who you are and even once we've left every education and have to decide on a career path there's so little of starting to ask ourselves questions so the two massive things and obviously I work in an area where we help people define that why, define a purpose, and really define the direction to move in, is that firstly, purpose isn't something you find. It's become a slightly frustrating buzzword in the personal development industry. <laughs> find your purpose. Well, the truth is you don't find it. You go out and create it. So by reflecting back on the things you've enjoyed and the things that you've not, start to get an idea of the underlying threads in those that will start to get you a little bit closer towards what truly lights you up inside, what actually makes you feel fulfilled and purposeful in everyday life. But when you're young, you don't know what that is. You get an idea. You might be able to almost think out to when you're, when you're 70 and the Queen's giving you an award. What would it be for? What would that be for? And you can do that, take it all the way out to the end and start to get a bit of an idea. But the truth is your purpose is chiseled by taking action, going out there and finding what resonates with you as a person and what doesn't. Because you need to find what doesn't because that'll help guide you to what does. And you'll realize that lots of the things you do in life, some bits feel purposeful, some bits feel completely unaligned with your values and who you are and it's about looking at all the things that you've done so often it's not your job some people fall into their calling their vocation something that they truly align to but most people the 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 job is a job or maybe it's a career but jobs and careers are ultimately something that gives you resources to try and design the life that you want to live. Mm. It's very difficult to live a purposeful life if your job or career is not something that gives you and feeds that purpose within you. Mm. And when we actually start to peel it back, so often you're almost told that you have to find your purpose by the time you've left education. But the truth is, to define and chisel, you do need to take action. You also need to learn how to ask powerful questions. So purpose is born of self-awareness because you need to start to think what you're chiseling. And to be able to ask ourselves powerful questions, we're able to access parts of us deeper inside to really start to feel what frequency we vibrate on. And the problem is that the education system overall teaches us to find answers, get the right answers on this piece of paper, get lots of marks, get through to the next stage of life. But the truth is answers are not particularly powerful in a world where Google will answer 95% of questions. But the ability to ask yourself questions, and at first it takes practice, it's like anything, you ask yourself bad questions, you generally get bad answers. But the more you practice that, you're able to start to access yourself at a deeper level. And then you're able to find that actually your tools to create this and chisel this purpose, you get more tools, more tools with more accuracy. 
more tools with a wider end so you can gradually start to shape more easily and you gradually become a better chiseler a better questioner in your own life and i think that is so important that we don't just think that we can think our way to clarity on these things or read a few books and we'll know the answer because we don't it's a lifelong journey to gradually move towards your potential but it's absolutely imperative that we understand that finding our purpose it takes action but it also takes reflection we have to stop from the busyness to be able to look back and look forward at what we want to shape yeah yeah no i absolutely agree with you i think it's so powerful when you do ask the right questions and like you said it definitely takes practice because um we're not taught that in school, obviously, as you highlighted, which I, I always say, you know, there's, there's a huge gap there in the education system, um, equipping us for adult lives, really. Um, are there any kind of techniques or strategies which you can share with us that you would highly encourage to implement on a daily basis, which can help with uh, developing a sense of self-awareness and then hopefully leading to us asking the right questions? Yeah, so things that I really consider important is, firstly, we live in a world with an awful lot of simulation and inputs. All day long, we are bombarded through technology, through entertainment. And to be honest, we, we get more inputs now in a day than our ancestors got in a lifetime. So really, the ability to silence those and actually have time and space to reflect is vital. So I suggest everyone try to find a little bit of time in the morning because so many people, the work day, it's not really the flexibility there. But you have a bit of control over your morning and your evening. Utilize those periods to build in small practices that allow you to start to cultivate your self-awareness. And whether that be meditation or silence or prayer or yoga, maybe just, we're talking like 10 minutes not a massive commitment in time, but just some time for you to zone out from the world, the flashing screens, the bright lights, the noise, and just be with yourself because we lack solitude. We're never bored anymore. And in boredom comes understanding, creativity, and insight. And by doing that, especially, I advise a lot of my clients to do it first thing in the morning. Wake up. Don't look at your phone. Don't go into other people's worlds straight away. Because you go into social media, someone else's agenda. The news, someone else's agenda. Your work emails, someone else's agenda. If you can start your day in your world and reflect, you will find all sorts of treasure there. And it's vital that we try to do that because the longer we can stay in our own world in that morning section the longer and more expansive your self-awareness becomes. So my morning routine is I wake up, I wash my face, I drink a glass of water and I meditate for 10 minutes. I walk around the block, social distancing and all that. And (laughs) I, I then read a page or two of a book, listen to 10 minutes of a positive podcast. This one would be great. You can do 10 minute sections across a week. Perfect. You'll get, a few insights to use in that day from every 10 minute section. And then I journal and that's a really big thing for self-awareness. 
So if we want to get better at asking ourselves more powerful questions, if we can write down, if we can take what's in our minds and write it down, it's like a precursor to action. Maybe write what you're grateful for. Maybe have a think and reflect about yesterday and think about something you could possibly do better. Maybe highlight three things that were actually amazing in your life. Because if I ask you, what did you have for tea on Tuesday two weeks ago? We don't remember. <laughs> but if we write these little things down, especially the positive things, because we remember the negative things. We're wired that way so we didn't get eaten. We didn't look at the pretty tree. We looked at the tiger next to us and run away. Yeah. So that helps you expand what, what you're grateful for, celebrating small wins. And that just increases our awareness because by taking our mind and putting it on paper, it makes it real. Yeah. And those are some ways that I really suggest that we start to look and increase our self-awareness. And you can do a similar thing in the evening. Yeah. Again, writing down your goals, your aspirations, your ambitions before you go to sleep. They'll be there on your mind. You never know what your subconscious might bring in your sleep. And yeah. we've become more self-aware by actually giving ourselves that time to be inside ourselves because you're the biggest experiment and understanding project that you'll ever undertake. It's you. You're always with yourself. And yet we never give ourselves the time to explore what's inside and start to unpick the locks because, I don't know, it's a little bit scary because you never know what's <laughs> going to be behind those little doors of your mind. Yeah, very true. We always want to distract ourselves, don't we? But yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I mean, gratitude is, is something I hugely believe in and try and practice. And even meditation recently, I feel like I give myself that extra half an hour window before dozing off to do some and if I don't do it I actually miss it now like I miss that time to wind down um so it is it's so, it's so true it's just about practice and 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 therefore embedding new habits into our into our everyday now you mentioned books and you've written one called um conquer anything so tell us a little bit about that because I know by the time this releases the book would have come out but tell us a little bit about what we can expect from the book yeah, so the book kind of roll, rolls through my journey over the past 15 years. But what it does is it really starts to look at the fact that as human beings, we can conquer anything. But our limits and boundaries that we set on ourselves, what society says, your beliefs, and what you think so often holds us back. So I actually take my story and start to thread through it the latest psychological and neurological research on fear, on anxiety, on depression, on digital addiction. And we start to look at how you can conquer those through small compounding changes. And again, we look at habits and mindset. We start to look at, you know, your behaviors, your feelings and your emotions. And we start to look at some of the, you know, some of the cutting edge science in these areas at the minute and start to look at how we can form little sets of practices that we can stack together that really help us start to conquer anything because ultimately so often the only thing we're trying to really conquer is ourselves we, we stand in our own way to be honest we're quite often scared of stepping into growth stepping into uncertainty and discomfort and the suffering that 
you know, that helps us to become more, to evolve as human beings. In the modern world, it's become something that we try and avoid. Mm. Yet, starting to understand that anything that happens, some things you can't control, but your response, you can. And that you can approach challenges rather than feeling like the threats. It gives you a completely different viewpoint of what you can possibly do. And we're surrounded by people doing amazing things every day but they're not special. I've worked with athletes. They're not special. They're very, very similar to you. In fact, 99.99% of their DNA is the same as yours. So let's just look realistically and realize that every human being has amazing gifts inside of them. So often those gifts are held back by people not giving you permission, you feeling like you can't, false limits and ceilings you've put upon yourself. And the fact that our potentials, because we don't know what it is, we're not always willing to chase it because it's not a defined goal. And yet when we're in crisis, that's when you start to see people push those boundaries and limits. They no longer plateau and sat in comfort, but they delve into the cold water. They jump out of the helicopter and they make that choice. They're not pushed. They're willing to go and test themselves. And really, it all goes back to you being a human experiment because you are the ultimate test subject, except you choose what you put yourself through. Put yourself through challenges that help you to find out who you are and grow and evolve because there's absolutely no point being stationary in a world that moves so fast. Mm. Yeah, and, and we're, we're all testimony to the fact that I think we're in a work in, pro- we're work, a work in progress, basically, aren't we? And, and uh, I think you are as well, considering everything, every, you know, your journey, and that sounds really brilliant. So is your book, where will your book be available if um, our listeners want to get hold of it? Yeah, so it will be available on my website and also through Amazon as a Kindle edition and a paperback edition. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Well, it was so nice to chat to you, Lee, um, for this series. I think what you're doing is so purposeful and you're clearly an example of, I think every guest that I have inspired me incredibly. So um, thank you for for joining that tribe and and sharing a bit of your story. It's been an absolute privilege. And yeah, I hope the listeners can take a few insights, a few nuggets and yeah, go out and chisel that purpose. I'm sure they will. Thank you. Well, that was the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. I hope you tune in next week when I talk to another exceptional guest. As usual, every Sunday, we're continuing the series of Purpose and I hope it thoroughly, thoroughly speaks to you. It affects you. I hope you're inspired to share the message with someone And I hope that you have already subscribed to the podcast. If not, please go to www.unplugannie.com and you can find all the podcast links as well as other links and articles which may be of interest to you. You can also subscribe and receive the weekly email newsletter to your inbox and be part of the family in a more active way. Until next week.